Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Biweekly Asset Allocation Report for May 16, 2022. The Federal Reserve's decision to raise interest rates by 50 basis points on May 4th may have been widely expected, but the financial market's reaction to this point has still been highly volatile. I'm Phil Adler. Here to talk about the longer-term implications for investors is Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady. Bill, the Fed made two announcements on May 4th, one pertaining to the interest rate hike and the path of future hikes, and the other about the Fed's intention to reduce the size of its balance sheet. About the interest rate hike and the stated path forward for more hikes, is there anything that surprises you? Well, a a couple of things, Phil. I was somewhat surprised that Chair Powell took the 75 basis point rate hike off the table and in the press conference suggested it wasn't even up for debate. And the second, the pace of balance sheet reduction is starting slower than I would have expected based upon the minutes from the March FOMC meeting. I think a key part that the financial media missed was that St. Louis Fed President Bullard actually missed this meeting. Philadelphia Fed President Harker sat in for him. I think Bullard would have dissented. He would have pushed for a higher, a bigger rate hike, and his dissent would have dominated the news. You've discussed before the challenge for the Fed, whether its rate policy can help reduce inflation while at the same time sidestep a recession. Right now, jobs seem to be plentiful and wages are rising. And that seems on the face of it to be inflationary, is it? Well, it is. Tighter labor markets are lifting labor costs and firms must manage that issue. Essentially, the Fed will likely need to cool the labor market to ease inflation pressures. Bill, what role has the unemployment rate historically played in the Fed's rate calculations? Well, the Fed has worked under the idea called the Phillips curve for decades, which is there is a trade-off between unemployment and inflation. The reality is that the relationship, if it does exist, is unstable, which would suggest that other factors affect the relationship between the two. But after the 1970s, it was clear evidence that the Fed would tighten when the spread between unemployment and inflation would approach zero. This policy was known as preemption, and it essentially tried to constrain the labor market before it got overly tight. Now, a few years ago, the Fed began to question the need to be preemptive and thus signaled it would allow the labor market to run hot. And that's what we're experiencing now. Could you talk more about the, Bill, the current relationship between the unemployment rate and inflation? Well, it is really running hot. Running hot is what we are seeing. The inflation rate far exceeds the unemployment rate, not at levels seen since the early 1970s. The period between 1967 and 1982 were characterized by four recessions and a rising trend in inflation, something we expect the Fed would like to avoid repeating. The key narrative is that it was the heroic actions of the Fed under Paul Volcker that slayed inflation. We think this story is only partly true. The real hero was President Carter, who began to deregulate the economy and sacrifice his political career. President Reagan aggressively stepped up the campaign to deregulate and globalize started by Carter. Deregulation and globalization, in our opinion, were the real factors behind lower inflation. But if the Fed is wedded to the first story, and who wouldn't be, because who doesn't want to be the hero in their own story, they could clamp down hard on the economy to keep inflation at bay. So, are you saying that an increase in the unemployment rate is intrinsic to the Fed's major goal? Although they would never say anything quite so intemperate, yes, that's what is going to happen. 
Now, how does the Fed hope this plays out? Well, their hope is that supply chains heal, which boosts the supply of goods and eases inflation on its own. This was the whole point behind the transitory language that has recently been jettisoned. But the hope of supply chain response is why Powell scotched the 75 basis point rate hike and started quantitative tightening slower than expected. If inflation begins to ease on its own, the pace of tightening might slow. Let's turn to the uh, Fed's other major announcement on May 4th. That's the, the balance sheet announcement. Again, this decision was widely expected. What is the history of quantitative tightening's impact on interest rates? Well, it, it's pretty mixed. Keep in mind the basic idea of quantitative easing was to buy longer-dated treasuries to lower long-term yields. In reality, we've actually seen long-term yields rise during periods of quantitative easing. They also rose in the one event of quantitative tightening. How do the financial markets normally react during periods of quantitative tightening? Well, we've tended to see widening credit spreads, which narrow during periods of quantitative easing. Equities have been positively correlated to QE, but seem to ignore the balance sheet contraction during the only episode of quantitative tightening. But overall, there is pretty good evidence to suggest that quantitative easing reduces financial stress and quantitative tightening can create conditions that foster it. Now, this particular economic period we're in seems highly abnormal because of the effects of the pandemic and the Ukraine war. Do you think the impact of quantitative tightening may be lessened or altered by these factors? It very well could. We may increase financial stress in a situation where stress is already rising. Will the Fed be successful at averting a recession? One of the TV shows my wife and I watch is called Doc Martin. It's on public television, and it's about an acerbic doctor practicing as a general practitioner in a small fishing village. He was responding to someone who'd been sick or injured who will ask, am I going to die, doctor? To which Martin replies, yes, but not today. We will have a recession at some point. And as we have noted before, the odds increase when monetary policy is tightened. Now, there is no evidence of a recession in the near term, let's say the next six months. But over the next two years, the odds increase pretty strongly. There is still a chance the Fed pulls off a tightening cycle without causing a downturn, but we view that likelihood as low. But the unknown is when exactly. Then what's an investor to do right now? Well, the key point is de-risk. But you know, that's easier said than done. For the past 20 years or so, de-risking meant buying bonds and reducing equities. But that's not working well in the current environment. Now, reducing equity exposure helps, and skewing the stocks held to value stocks instead of growth and to defensives have also been helpful. Owning commodities has been helpful too in this cycle. Currently, Bill, the dollar is very strong. Is this a time to load up on stocks of large domestic firms that do not rely heavily on exports? Well, not necessarily. Usually a strong dollar signals a focus on domestic stocks and weaker commodity prices. Although international stocks have struggled with the stronger dollar, commodity prices have mostly ignored the dollar's strength. We're taking the stance that the dollar is strong due to expectations of U.S. monetary policy that will end up being tighter than those of most other nations. Tighter monetary policy isn't necessarily good for any assets, perhaps with the exception of cash, although higher deposit yields aren't that evident yet either. Thank you, Bill.
Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice, and this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.